Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. I'm so glad you tuned in today because we have a great show with my friend, John DeYoung. John, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me, April. You know I love adoption, and John is adopted from Korea. My husband and I have said yes to six babies in five years and finalized on three. We've done that through U.S. private adoption, so it's a little bit different than what we're going to talk about today. We also covered last week foster care. We had the Wagners on. They have had 56 children in their home over 10 years. And if you are interested in hearing those stories, you can go to iTunes under Adoption Now and subscribe to the podcast. John, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for taking time out in your day to come and share your story. Thank you. Let's talk about your whole adoption. So you're from Korea. Yes, I am. And why did your parents choose adoption? Um, my father was in the military and he saw a commercial on TV that was that said, um, I think the theme was just adopt a Korean child. At that time, a lot of children in the 70s were being abandoned in Korea. And I, my father um, had a heart and um, he felt the pull and uh, talked to my mother and those two adopted me. Yeah. So do they have biological children as well? Yes, they have four. They had four at that time? No, they had uh, two at the time. Okay, okay, so you were child number three. Uh-huh. And so they see this commercial, they decide, let's let's go for it. And how did that process look for them? I think the process, the story goes, is uh, they worked through Holt International, and they wanted to adopt a child, and they asked for particular um, uh, uh, characteristics. They wanted a child that wasn't didn't have a disability. They wanted a child that was pretty energetic, and they wanted a child that didn't have... Um, anything that would deter them on their first adoption. So they wanted a pretty easy child. Right. We all do. We all do on our first child. Yeah. And so they had an idea of what the uh, adoption process maybe would have looked like or, you know, how I would have turned out. And so when they walked into Holt uh, in the 70s, you would uh, apply and they get accepted and then they would have a book. And then inside the book were just pictures of your um, recommendations or your um your desires, and then my mother uh, on the third page saw a really cute—I mean, seriously cute—picture of this little kid <laughs> named Namsu Lee, and she said, "I want him," and that was it. Really? So now I don't know much about international adoption, obviously, because we went through, you know, United States. Uh-huh. But do they still do that, where you pick a child? Um, I think now the the process is probably a, a lot more um, integrated and it's probably more a partnership as opposed to a family coming in and saying, hey, let's just adopt a child. And then, you know, and then that would just happen. I think the process now is more application, uh, you know, interviews, um, you know, even going to the country and spending time with the child to try to create a bond prior. Right. I, they never came to Korea. I got on a plane and just flew to Chicago. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, so they see this adorable little boy. They're like, this is our child. Pretty adorable. So from the time that they saw this child, you, mm-hmm. and the time that you arrived, how long was that? Um, it, I think the process, uh, my mother said, was about nine months. Really? Yes. Okay, so you're, you, know, you guys are matched. You know you're coming over. How old are you? Six. You're six years old? Yes. So do you know any of your back history, how you got to that orphanage? I do know. I, um, I was born in, I was found in Suwon, Korea, which is just about 45 minutes south of Seoul. Um, I was on the streets of the city hall, and I guess I was causing a little bit of ruckus around the age of maybe 
two and a half, uh, I'm sorry, four, four and a half years old, the police came and picked me up off of City Hall. It took me to a local orphanage just in Suwon. Uh, from there, I got transported or tra- transferred to Seoul, Korea through Holt International. So between... Um, the reason why I say two is that they, they um, think that around that time I might have been left on the streets or abandoned by my mother. So between two and four and a half, we have no history. I don't have a name, parents, birth date, or anything. Really? Nope. So do you have any memories? Nope, I don't. I have probably blocked all of that out. Really? Very selective memory, yes. Because even, I mean, I can think of probably my first memory when I was two. So when you think about Korea, you don't have any memory, you don't even know what it looks like or do you remember coming over here i i have um what i have stories as i guess uh as um as my memory yeah as my memory so it's stories that my parents have told me of like what um my reaction was when i came off the airplane you know and that's how i that's how i remember it but personally myself i actually don't have a visual or anything in my head oh well tell us what was your reaction (laughs) according to my father um um, I came off the airplane with the um, with the agent, and the agent pointed to um, you know the family, and I just ran. I ran right into my father's arms. You did? Yeah, I ran, and I, and um, I was about six years old. They don't know exactly. Um, they don't know my birthday, but uh, I was wearing at the time toddler three, so I was a very small child even at six. So. And so you go running over into their arms. Yep. And my father said I was so small that he could just palm me you know, with with his hands. That's how little I was. So. Had you seen a picture? I mean, had they told you what? Did you just go on this plane with a stranger? <laughs> well, well, as as far as I know, the agent was probably um, someone I had, you know, known for a little bit. Um, but I have a dream, and that's all I have. And that, and the dream is, is the agent leaned over um, while I was on the airplane, on the airplane, saying, "Hey," and showed me a picture and said, "These are your parents. So run to them." Did you know English? No, all Korean. So you came over here and you had to learn everything, a, a foreign yeah. language. I mean, completely. Do you remember any of that process? No, not so much either. No. Do, do your parents talk about it? Do they say, okay, this is where we started you? Because obviously at six, you're going to put your kid in kindergarten. But if they don't know English and they're going through a huge cultural shock, you're not going to do that. Did your mom homeschool you? How did you work into that? I think um, because... Um, you know, I think I learned English fairly quickly, according to my mother. I learned English fairly quickly, and then she put me through kindergarten, first grade, and third, uh, second grade fairly quickly. I went through each uh, grade in about a semester. And, to catch um, up. To catch up, because I was falling behind. And I, I don't think I went to school until I was about seven, seven and a half maybe even. Then I was just sitting at home and probably learning English. And then um, the only uh, memory I have of kindergarten is... Um, Again, a story that my mother said is uh, the kindergarten teacher brought me in, uh, brought my mother in and said, we have, a, we have an issue. Um, your son doesn't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's like, no, he does speak English. And there started my rebellion right there at Oh, age of, you wouldn't speak it. <laughs> I wouldn't speak English in class. So I would only speak Korean. <laughs> well, do you think that was because that was your choice or do you think you were just so shy? Ah, uh, man, I would, I would think that, um, I was pretty outgoing from the beginning, my mother said. So either I was choosing to do that to, um, protect myself or, um, I, and, and, and it could have been a little bit of like this culture and running into a classroom and I was in private, uh, I was always in, um, private school. So, okay. yeah. So who did you attach to first, your mom or your dad or your sisters? That is a good question. 
I would have to say I probably attached to my sister Cindy first. And how old were your other siblings? Uh, Cindy is uh, four years older than me, and okay. my oldest sister is uh, nine years older than me. Okay, know? wow. So they were old enough yeah. to understand mm -hmm. what was going on. Right. Yeah. And so you attached to Cindy. Did you ever attach to your mom and dad? Um, not particularly, and we're still struggling with that now, but uh, we are walking toward that more um, today than ever before. So. so do you think that it was a shock for them that they would have to go through the attachment process? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think my mother and father probably had some sort of idea what adoption would look like. You know, uh, my father is a lawyer. My mother is a pediatric nurse at the time. So they, they, you know, as intelligent as they are and as successful as they are, they I think um, they probably had an idea or at least an expectation of like, this is how adoption looks. And when we adopt a little child, this is right. how it's going to go. Um, and it didn't go that way at all. So <laughs> did they continue to adopt? Yes, we adopted uh, another um, Korean girl, uh, Mary, and she has polio from waist down, and we adopted her when she was 11. So Okay, so their second adoption, did mm -hmm. they say, we are looking for special needs? Yes. On the they second, did. Yes. Isn't that funny? I mean, that's our story, too. We said, we want the perfect child first, uh -huh. <laughs> and then later we said yes to so many different, yes. um, you know, special needs and drug exposed and all those things you think I could never do. Right. Why do you think your parents chose that? I think, uh, one, um, that, uh, having a, um, pretty, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well adapted. I'm, I'm physically fit and, 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 um, I don't have any special needs in that, but I think, um, they wanted to, my father is specific. Uh, especially wanted to reach out a little bit deeper and wanted to experience um, possibly even a, a different type of adoption. But adoption has always been a big part of my father's heart. So um, I think that he, you know, from my experience to uh, Mary's experience was two totally different things. And I wasn't attaching very well. And so I think that there might have been a little bit of like, well, let's try it again, you right. know? Right. And in a special needs case, uh, I don't know whether there's more, I, I wouldn't say this is to be true, but I don't know if they were expecting to be a little bit more of a um, agreement between the two of them, that attachment would actually happen between a special needs child and, and my parents. Um, but uh, it did. It they, did. They, they have a little bit more of a relationship, you know, a little bit more with now, my other sister. <laughs> that's interesting. We're going to talk a little bit more when yeah. we come back, but that's interesting. I wonder across the board if special needs attach faster when you're dealing with an older child to adoptive parents. Yeah, that that's very possible, yeah. That's very interesting. I have that's never really thought about that, but um, maybe just because you're, you're giving more care and you have to be you know, really more dependent on your parents. When you come at six years old from Korea and you've been taking care of yourself on the street, yes. then asking somebody to take care of you is a weird concept, Yes, which we do not understand as parents for me, I thought, you know, the, a child would come home, an older child, and just say, thank you for adopting me. I love you, <laughs> mom and dad, right? And yeah. it would be so perfect, and they would be happy, and, uh -huh. and it would just, and it's not like that. A lot of times there's anger involved. Mm -hmm. A lot of times if a child has decided, I'm going to be my caregiver, I have to be my caregiver, they have survival mentality, which sounds like you probably had. And so having somebody come in and say, hey, I'm going to feed you, I'm going to do this, is kind of invasive. 
Yeah, I, that's a that's that's very good. Um, that's very good uh, perspective there. I think that one of the things is because I was already street savvy and I had a very strong survival mechanism um, sitting at home at dinner time and doing my studies and having uh, these parameters or guidelines to live by in the American sense is when I had um, no rules, no law as a child and I survived. Right. And so. And it sounds like your family now is very structured. Yes. So my family, big difference. Big difference um, between um, that structure and or, or my freedom that I had and um, or chaos, we'll call that even then, and the uh, structure that my parents had put in. I mean, my mother would even say that even at dinner out of out of frustration, um, I would get away from the table and I would go to the garbage can and just pull out the garbage and just eat from the garbage. And it was, it was a way of showing her that I, I guess I didn't need my parents right. to survive. Like, I don't need to sit down and eat with you. I can just go eat anywhere. And she would be like, what is this? <laughs> what is this action? What is this behavior? And, and uh, it was very difficult for my parents. How did she respond to that? I mean, did you get in trouble or did she just say, fine, eat out of the garbage? I got in trouble. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got in a lot of trouble. It's not, it's not, I don't think it's a great behavior to just go to a garbage can and just eat. I mean, imagine if you're just at a restaurant and, yeah, I'm going I thought you still did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it depends on my hunger pains. <laughs> and that's the thing is that we try to parent out of what we know. Yes. So, of course, you can't let your child eat out of the garbage, so they need to have punishment or have a consequence for that. But that is not really the way to go when, when a child has learned how to do that to survive. You have to get inside the child's head, and that can be very difficult. When we come back, we'll talk about John's advice to adoptive parents on attachment. You're listening to Adoption Now with April Fallon. Aspen Park is listening to KLTT, the mighty 670. Are you a Christian who knows about forgiveness and heaven someday, but you're having difficulty with how your faith addresses the obstacles you face today? Sadly, many Christians feel as though all their Christianity affords them is a get-out-of-jail-free card. Well, true biblical Christianity offers so much more. And for 30 years, Exchange Life Ministries has shared the much more of Scripture, a primary way the ministry has equipped Christians with a faith that confronts and deals with the challenges of life has been through the Grace Life Conference. Their next conference will be held June 10th through 11th, Friday evening and all day Saturday at Berean Bible Church, which is on 1400 Birch Street in Denver, Colorado. This conference is open to the public and is offered at no charge, and a love offering will be received. To let them know you're coming, visit elmco.org slash events and click the I'm coming to the conference button or call 303-770-LIFE to ask to register for the conference. That's 303-770-LIFE. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today I have John DeYoung joining me. John is adopted from Korea. John, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so honored that you took the time to be here because your story is amazing to me. You're adopted from Korea. You struggled attaching to your parents. And one of the reasons you found out later in your life is because you came to a very structured home and you are totally creative. 
you work for Valor Christian High School, which mm -hmm. is a private Christian high school here in Colorado. You're in the arts department. You're a dancer. Yes. You're a writer. Yes. You're a producer. Mm -hmm. You do movies and everything. You work internationally. I mean, your story is so amazing. And yet the time that you had growing up was so challenging for you. Yes. For me, when I met you, I remember just asking you a million questions because I have an adopted little boy. At the time I had one, I have three now, but I had one little boy and I kept saying to you, how can I attach, continue to attach to him, have him, you know, both of us together attach as a child, but also have him grow up and we recognize what he's good at. How can we do that better? So give us some advice. Wow. The, uh, the advice that I have um, in that, I think there's a, there's a word uh, that I would um, kind of lean into a little bit um, in um, giving some advice in that would be discovery. I think discovery is, uh, is, a, is a cool word, but it's actually Im imperative in how you work with an adopted child or raise an adopted child is to discover the adopted child first. You know, what, what is going on in their heart? What, how, what makes them tick and how are they created and how are they designed a little bit? And the way you do that is to discover a little bit about yourself as a parent, discover how you can work with the child. Um, and, and I think a lot of times, um, uh, there might be an expectation or, or an idea in your head of like, okay, when I adopt this child, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, um, it's going to be great. It's going to be A, B, C, D, and maybe F, you know, or right. E, but it really could be F, Y, Z, X, uh, depending on the child's mind. And to discover that, I think, is, and to embrace that discovery between the two is probably a great way to go. I think that's great advice because as an adoptive parent, I think we have this idea of what adoption is going to be and it can be so different, but also it can be really painful. If you're a mom who is longing to be a, a mother and a, a parent and you bring this child home and they're not attaching, you can make it all about you mm -hmm. and feel neglected or betrayed or this child doesn't understand me. And really it's about the child. What can we do? to get inside of that child's mind and life and culture and understand where they're coming from. Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great, uh, that's a great point, April. I think that every human that is created by God, every child, every soul has, um, a specific design and to pr uh, predestine that design in your head prior to the adoption, um, could be, um, could put yourself, it could set you up for more difficulty than it should. You know, um, and so having an open heart and a open mind and um, presenting and um, prayerfully walking through that relationship and discovering the child that's right. been created in front of you. That's cool. It sounds like from your story that your parents were trying to focus on your behavior so much. They wanted you to be in line. You said that they had two biological children. They adopted mm -hmm. you from Korea. Mm -hmm. Then they adopted a special needs sister from Korea. Mm -hmm. They then had two yep, additional. Yep. Two additional after a couple of years, yeah. Biological children. And they wanted the children to get in line to the family system, so to right. speak. And so they were so focused on that. And one of the things I noticed when families are really successful is they stop focusing on the behavior and they start putting the child in things that the child loves. So instead of focusing on John's eating out of the garbage, <laughs> John loves to be in plays. Yeah. We're gonna put John in plays. Yep. We're gonna, John's very creative. Let's see if he can create this. And trying to create an atmosphere where the child is learning what they're good at and getting praise for what they're good at, don't you think that eventually they'll go away from that 
poor behavior? Yeah, I think that, you know, um, if you were to hear and listen and watch the child, then you will get a better heartbeat and a pulse on how that child reacts, what what the child reacts to, and how they're just wired. And if you can encourage that and support that wiring, then then I think they will flourish, you know. And then and then it makes it easier to for the attachment. It makes it easier for the communication to happen because now you're not just always in this tension state. You're actually in a state where you're actually communicating correctly. And um, and so I think that's that's important to always uh, put that ahead. Uh, well, not ahead, but put that in the forefront of like, okay, how is the child wired? Right. So, I think that that's very interesting because talking about international adoption, a lot of people say, well, I chose that because I didn't want to deal with the birth mom. Because mm-hmm. here in the United States, oftentimes you know the birth mom. You're involved, and people who don't want that, they go overseas. Mm-hmm. But then you're bringing home an older child. So it's a whole set of <laughs> bonding and really therapy that needs to happen. And so that dream of I'm going to bring home a, a child at six, and they're, it's just going to be just like if I had given birth or gotten a baby is totally different. Parents need to be prepared that this is work. Yes. It's work to know your child. It's work. And if you are uh, easily rejected or you, your feelings get hurt really easily, buck up, right? Yeah, it's going to be tough and it's not about you. And if we can reach that child and that child does connect and feel understood, mm-hmm. look at what they can do with their lives. Yeah. I mean, look at what you're doing. <laughs> no, Thank really. You. How long did it take you before you said, oh, my goodness? I, I was adopted in a family with lawyers and doctors, and but I am a dancer. Yeah. As, as soon as I, uh, it wasn't very long after I left my family uh, to go to college that I, I think I actually started flourishing um, out of that, out of, one, out, out of those types of um, expectations and, and rules. And I started dancing, oh, you know, later in my years, around 21, but after 21, 24, I had my first dance studio, 27, second dance studio, and 29, I was out of it, and 30, I was into film, you know, it was like, it was such an accelerated pace, um, I fell in love with how I was actually designed and discovering that, and discovering it a little bit late at the time, but um, still, the Lord was just so faithful in all of this, and just allowing me to um, safely get through all of that, too, as well, so discovering myself. So was your family Christian? They raised you in a Christian home? Yes. And did you always follow that, or did you kind of, did you reject that, or how did you make sense of that faith? I, I believe that, um, and I know this to be true, is that um, in my family's uh, care, I understood God to be a lawyer. Okay. Okay. And making, uh, rules. making rules, signing contracts, because that's the way my father, uh, and not that my parents were, were bad, they were doing the best that they can. Right. Uh, but my, the way my father uh, dealt with my behavior was with through contracts. I actually probably signed hundreds of contracts when I was a kid before I graduated and understanding how to write them and make addendums and all of that stuff. But within that, um, then when I became free and, and went to college, I explored everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I actually turned my shoulder to God to say, Hey, if you're going to be a lawyer, now I'm free. These two don't actually work together, right. you know? Um, and it wasn't until about 27 where I came back to Christ and Christ called me back saying, this is how I designed you. Cause it started making sense to me at that time. And I'm like, wait a minute, you know, um, I've been, it started with my giftings of just dance. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on, wait a minute. I'm actually 
pretty good at this. I've never taken a lesson. So where does that actually come from? Right. And through the art, I actually uh, reconnected with the Lord. So exactly how I was designed is how I connected back with God. So how do you think about your whole life now? The whole journey. I mean, <laughs> it is it is a story. I would just say it's epic. It's it's pretty crazy. I would love to write a book someday because it's 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 a little insane. So, <laughs> and what do you think your real calling is? My real calling is to uh, I would say it's a it's because um, I love doing multiple things, April. I think, and you know that about me. I love to do. I have to, love to have my hand in multiple things. I think it's uh, it's um, multifaceted. One is to create or develop or be part of or mentor the next generation artist for Christ and, and, um, and have them discover their design. That's, that's hugely important for me because it took me a while to figure that out. Um, I think the other uh, uh, thing is, is I really do desire to transform um, international poverty and uh, uh, orphans and widows and um, that. So I have a ministry in India that does that specifically. Um, and then I think that I do want to um, adopt, you know, I, I it is, it, it's in me, you know, it is, it is me, you know, if that makes any sense. And not that I'm any, I'm not an alien or different, but it's just, it's in me. Um, me and my girlfriend have talked about, we would adopt first before having a biological child. So things like that. Which we did as well, yeah. thinking this will be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong. But it, it has yeah. been a beautiful journey of really knowing who God is. And I think one of the greatest things that you're gifting is changing lives is because you are so gifted in the arts and you know what it's like to be under, misunderstood. Yes. And it is often very hard for creative people to feel like they're accepted into church or find their place. It's much easier for people who are used to rules and understand consequences and stay in line. But for those whimsical personalities, mm -hmm. it can be a struggle and you feel like I don't even want to go. Yeah. And I see you reaching out to kids who think the way that you do and saying, Hey, there is a place for you. Absolutely. And not only a place, but God is going to use you mightily to tell mm -hmm. a story through the art and through arts and through, you know, camera work and film and all these things. You are aspiring young creatives. Yes, I hope because so. of what you went through and because you know what it's like to not fit in. Yeah. And I just think God uses everything. I mean, yeah. he took this little boy that was six years old that was entertaining people on the street in Korea. <laughs> And brought him here and it was a struggle and now you are transforming lives and I just I can see God's hand in your life and and through adoption that's why we started this whole show is because we want to know the truth about adoption yes. and we want people to see and be inspired by what God can th do through that absolutely absolutely I think that the way that God does not allow anything to go to waste is amazing right yeah um, whether you are a fully fit um, uh, adopted child or whether you uh, dis uh, have a disability or um, whether you struggle extremely hard in the adopt adoption process and parenting um, or being adoptee, you know, um, God does not waste anything. And um, the stories that he is always generating and always telling and working through all of us is it's 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 powerful it's epic it really really is an amazing story if you let god tell your story 
You know, <laughs> if you if you don't, then you can be extremely angry yeah. and stay bitter. But if you see God's hand through it, mm-hmm. you can say, okay, that yeah. was purposeful. And how can I use that to help other people? Absolutely. Thank Absolutely. you so much for being here, John. Thank you, April, for allowing me to come and speak. If you would like to tell your story, please contact us at adoption-now.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook and you can see a picture of John there. If you want to hear any of our stories or have someone who maybe would be interested, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes under Adoption Now. Thank you for joining us on Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.